Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined by Taylor Estes in her final days as the managing editor of Horns 24-7 before moving on up like the Jeffersons to a tier leader. She's going to be over multiple team sites for the 24-7 Sports Network. Very exciting stuff, Taylor. Um, but thanks for joining us, you know, in these final days, we got Texas football. I'm back from Destin, Florida. If you can tell I'm back in my office, I'm not in that hotel in, uh, the panhandle of Florida. Although I will say that is a nice place to have some spring meetings, spend some time on the beach. Yeah. You look kind of tan. I was going to say you're looking a nice golden bronze there, Chip. I mean, <laughs> It was, it was beautiful, good seafood. So took the wife, she loved the seafood in the beach. I think she had a good little uh, workcation, that's (laughs) a word. But um, yeah, we kind of wrapped up the fact that the SEC is gonna go with a one year, eight game conference schedule uh, without uh, one annual opponent, uh, Greg Sankey, the commissioner, said we're gonna we're gonna be mindful of uh, and honor the rivalries, first and secondary rivalries, which I think led everyone to believe that Alabama would play Auburn and Tennessee, Texas would play Oklahoma and A and M. Um, A&M's athletic director has been running around saying we're gonna host the first game in College Station, so. <laughs> Um, think about this in 2024, Texas would play at Michigan. Of course they'd play Oklahoma in Dallas and possibly at A&M. So what, uh, what teams are they going to send to Austin to help Chris Del Conte sell that season ticket package? We'll, we'll find out on June 14th. That's when Greg Sankey said, tune into the sec network. We'll be announcing the uh, football schedule, the 2024 football schedule. So that's coming so a up. Week, yeah, a week from, well, this will run Wednesday. We're, we are recording on Tuesday. So a week from today, I'll say, <laughs> yeah. that will be that will be um, news. And so, like, do you feel the way you kind of said, like, the A&M athletic director is kind of talking about the first meeting being there? Do you feel like they are looking for revenge since the last meeting was there? And, you know, um, Case McCoy, Case McCoy, not Colt McCoy, Case McCoy and Justin Tucker sent the Aggies um, on to the SEC with some tears in their eyes in the last loss there. Do you think it's, they're just hoping for revenge or or do you think what, 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 what was your take on it, the way he was talking about it? Well, I 
I think that AM is running around excited and rightfully so. I mean, that's a big game and to get to have it back at your stadium for the first time is, is a big deal, but I'm convinced this is the olive branch from the sec for basically negotiating to bring in Texas and Oklahoma without A&M in the room. Right. So there, this is like, Hey, Aggies, sorry about that, but Hey, you're going to get to host that first game against Texas. All right. We good. We good. No hard feelings. <laughs> so I think that's what this is about in the fact that Ross Bjork, the athletic director at Texas a who I like, I had a conversation with him and he's a reasonable guy, a good guy, I think. Um, but the fact that he was willing to say that out loud in front of a bunch of reporters with Greg Sankey lurking. And then when we went to Greg Sankey and said, Hey, is AM going to host the first game with Texas? And Sankey's like, uh, I'm not releasing the schedule today. <laughs> we'll, you know, check out the schedule when it comes out. So yeah, <laughs> I get the feeling it is going to be in college station, but um, who's, who's uh, the sec going to send to Austin and Chris Del Conte scrambling to find a non-conference game because of course, Texas has been playing nine conference games in the big 12. And so now they need to find um, a fourth non-conference game in addition to Michigan and UTSA and Colorado state in 2024. So, um, Crystal Conte is is out. Uh, I mean, don't don't you think it's probably going to be UTEP, someone in the UT system that they can just say, "Hey, uh, we need you." Yeah, <clears throat> I mean that makes sense. Excuse me, that makes sense to me, especially because you know Texas has not been too keen on scheduling some of the you know um, division one double A FCS. Yeah, yes. and they and won't. Del they Conte won't. said, yeah. "We will not do that." And, and I respect that. Like, let's be real. I respect that. I know some SEC fans might fight you if you say that, you know, scheduling the quote unquote cupcakes, we'll call them. I don't, I'm not saying they're cupcakes, but what they traditionally are called, um, you know, it's a necessary thing when you play that conference schedule, but it's the only conference that does that and plays for non-conference games. So, um, I'm glad to hear that Texas is going to kind of stick to their guns on that because I just, I mean, it's great for those smaller schools, right? Like when they get the the payout, they get, you know, at least, I mean, like probably over a million dollars when they schedule those type of games. But then you can run into something like what happened with Texas A&M and losing to Appalachian State and um, spending $1.5 million to lose to them at home. I have a funny story about that, Chip. You want to hear it? Yeah. Okay, so when I, I was in Mexico two weeks ago, and I was at this resort bar, and these uh, these younger like college age looking kids were standing next to me, and were like they started talking to me, and one of them was saying that they're going to uh, college at um, oh my uh, Richmond coming up, and he's like I was like oh nice like are you excited? He's like yeah I'm excited to go to college for football, so I was like oh, okay, you're playing football. That's really exciting. And I just kind of started talking to him. And the guy next to him, he was like, yeah, I, uh, he, he just uh, finished playing college football. I was like, really? I was like, where, where did you play college football? And he goes, Appalachian State. <laughs> Dead serious. I was like, oh, 
Well, my husband's an Aggie who was sitting right next to me. I was like, hey, you guys should talk. <laughs> and like, and I, I mean, we spent the next probably hour just talking about how Texas A&M paid Appalachian State $1.5 million so that they can embarrass Texas A&M. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, the funny thing was... is my husband sitting there was like, I, I guess I hate you. But I have nothing to say because what can I say? Y'all beat us in that game. So oh, that was awful. Yeah. I mean, and talk about just I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. Of all schools, of all schools, this guy could have played at. It was I mean, AM is fascinating because Jimbo Fisher brings in Bobby Petrino as his offensive coordinator. And Aggie fans are still like, all a buzz that they're on the verge of something great. They're putting all their hopes in quarterback Connor Wegman, who's the the new guy um, who hasn't shattered any dreams yet. Um, and and they get Alabama in College Station, and two years ago that was a pretty magical night. So. Um, We'll, we'll see. I mean, it just feels really fragile there. Yeah. Um, and of course, AM's the one that's, you know, it looks like they're moving their collective into their foundation, the 12th Man Foundation, like literally blending the two, which no one is doing. Um, and with the new law that just passed or is about to be signed by the governor, basically keeping the NCAA or any conference, including the SEC, from regulating any state school in the state of Texas when it comes to NIL activity, they're immune to enforcement. And everyone at SEC meetings said, oh, man, it's all it's all about Congress. Congress, Congress is going to have to fix this. And, man, you just get the feeling that Congress should have better things to do. But yeah. we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. Well, with that, when that started coming out, you know, I think the NCAA shortly after sent out a letter to schools kind of laying out, hey, you can't give benefits to people through your like, you know, um, alumni associations or whatever. I mean, honestly, I thought A&M was kind I mean, it was a risky move for sure for Texas A&M to do that. But I thought it was kind of genius, to be honest, because it's like, force the NCAA to enforce their rules. They're not going to. They're not going to. We I think that's the that at the end of the day they don't want to have legit they don't want to put their hands on anything NIL because they don't want to get sued. And I think A&M they had, you know, the cojones to actually call them and be like, "Okay, we're going to do this. Let's see you stop us." They're not going to stop them. I mean, and and they kind of set a blueprint for other schools to possibly follow suit, especially in the state of Texas, if, you know, that comes through and they do pass that legislation. Well, Nick Saban was the one who sort of set the precedent for driving a truck through the NCA loopholes when they said you can have unlimited strength coaches. He hired a strength coach for every position and mm -hmm. basically he hired position coaches and called them strength coaches. And, yeah. and then they were like, uh Oh, okay. we got to change that. So then they said, you can only have three strength coaches for football, but you can have unlimited analysts. So Nick Saban just changed the strength coaches to analysts and has been hiring former head coaches ever since. And, and so, yeah, get in the gray 
operate in the gray until someone tells you not to. And um, I think Texas was their timing and really a credit to the, the guys who started the pancake factory because the timing on that was perfect. I mean, they announced that on December 5th, I think signing day was like the 18th of December and they got Kelvin banks and, and DJ Campbell and Cole Hudson and, you know, and others have now tried to emulate that by saying, well, we're going to pay each football player $25,000 or $45,000. I think tech is at 45,000 anyway. Um, you know, it's, it's the wild West and it, and you're almost insulting the wild West by calling it that because it's, it's nuts. Everyone's yeah. just doing whatever until Congress steps in. Yeah. And who's to say that they will? I mean, they, as you said, there's, I think, quite a few uh, more important things that they have to do. And, and everything, I mean, for at least to my knowledge, they've been supportive <laughs> of student athletes making money off their name, image, and likeness. So how do you enforce it? How do you, you can't really have a blanket answer you know, like schools have to pay players a certain amount of money because then you're going to run into potential discrimination issues with like, you know, if they're not doing women's sports, the same as men's sports, some schools, athletic departments can't sustain that. They don't have the money to, I mean, there's, I think it's just going to stay the wild, wild west chip. And, and while, if you can take advantage of it while you can do it. And if you're not, you're, you're missing a massive opportunity. Right. If you're just over there crying on the street corner, no one's going to care. No. Hey, we need help. No, yeah, you no. need to figure out a way to have NIL earning opportunities for your student athletes. Yeah. Connect with your alumni that have businesses and all of that. I mean, there's yeah. endless possibilities with it. So, well, it's funny, Nick Saban's been kind of one that has been crying a little bit. It's like, you found all the loopholes the other way. And this is the one that Alabama is struggling to keep up with. It's like Nick's made a lot of money there. Maybe it's got to come from his pocket to someone else. And then, yeah, it does feel like (laughs) Nick. I think Nick feels like everyone's catching up. Yeah. Everything that was under the table is now over the table and, and they're catching up because of Mm -hmm. that. And so we'll see, we'll see, we'll see on uh, September 9th when uh because nick saban did say at sec meetings the way texas and texas a&m and usc are spending money so now he's got texas in there too with the way texas is spending nil money and i think if people knew texas doesn't have like some endowment for nil money they're trying they're trying to get fans to to like contribute $25 a month, $50 a month, $100 a month to the Texas One Fund as a tax deductible contribution. And they're trying to get, you know, tens of thousands of Texas fans to do that. But it's not happening as as quickly as you would think. And and so, um, you know, Texas A&M is probably on to something here. Uh, I do know Chris Del Conte is probably happy he got all those facilities renovated constructed before this crazy nil push because it is 
causing the boosters to have to make some decisions. Right. Are we giving money to Texas One Fund to help NIL and the players? Or are we giving it to Texas to help build new facilities? And because Texas has just about renovated all of their facilities, except for the indoor, the new indoor football practice facility, which of course we've been reporting about for two years here at Horns 24 um, seven. It's, it is pulling on, on the booster. So, um, all right, Taylor, there is workout. There are summer workouts happening in Austin and we have new freshmen on campus. We have, uh, we have the, there, there are actually fewer freshmen um, reporting for the summer than reported as early enrollees. How about that? There were more early enrollee freshmen than there were freshmen who arrived in June. And among the freshmen who arrived in June, uh, Tassilia Kana, the edge rusher, uh, Samaje Burrell, the linebacker, uh, Trevor Goosby, the offensive line. He's the only offensive lineman in the 2023 class who uh, did not enroll early. Jelani McDonald, the, the kid that Gary Patterson coached his father. And Gary Patterson said, watch out for Jelani McDonald now. Um, Ryan Niblett, the wide receiver, the blazer from um, Eisenhower in Houston. Will Randall, finally some tight ends to yeah. add to that room. Will Randall, who is Arch Manning's high school teammate from Isidore Newman in New Orleans. And then Spencer Shannon, the the six foot seven, two hundred thirty seven pound um, tight end from Modern Day in Southern California, and um, Ryan Sanborn, a Stanford transfer punter, Billy Walton, the edge rusher, um, Derek Williams, my my guy, <laughs> the uh, the Raptor at safety from New Iberia, Louisiana, and Trey Wisner, uh, the running back from. Uh, DeSoto, who is just uh, a, a burner blazer. And Taylor, you know, Texas football is starting to tweet out and social media, IG, uh, some of those summer workouts. And, you know, I always pay attention to who they're featuring, especially the young guys. And Jontae Cook, the receiver, got like a some IG time from Texas football. I always – Listen, Steve Sarkeesian does not allow those pictures to go out unless the guys are deserving or doing something in the coaches' minds to get some love in the uh, Texas football social media. So um, we know that this is a, a team that's, um, you know, focused on trying to win the Big 12 title. And from what we're hearing, it's been a smooth player led summer so far. Now, we're, you know, we're just a couple of weeks into this thing, but I, I do want to point this out, Taylor, Trevor Gooseby, who is six foot seven, 280 pounds. He's the shrimp in among the offensive linemen in the 2023 class for Texas. Yeah. The only one sub 300 pounds, the only one sub 300. You got, you know, Andre Kojo, six, six, three fifty three. You've got um, Peyton Kirkland, 6'6", 370. Yes, yeah, 6'6", 370, Peyton Kirkland. And Peyton Kirkland had a really good spring. Like, he's he's going to be a, a factor 
along with Cam Williams, I think, in the depth chart at, at tackle. Uh, but, yeah, and then you've got uh, – uh, I mentioned Connor Andre Pro. Kojo. Jaden Chapman, 6'4", 305. He's like a lightweight, too, at 305. Yeah. I mean – and then Connor Stroh, 6'7", 355. Yeah, Connor Stroh. I mean, Chip, you look at those numbers. I remember a couple of years ago when Texas had maybe one or two offensive linemen that were over 300 pounds. The rest were under. Right. Herman would get the two 80 guys who used to be tight ends with great feet, kind of the Connor Williams mode, and then beef them up at Texas – and they'd be right around 300 pounds. Yeah, like the fringe 300 guys, basically. Right. But did that work? No. Right. And Sarkeesian is going for the monsters like Nick Saban has because the defensive linemen in the SEC are the best in college football. That's why the SEC, that's what separates the SEC from every other league is those defensive tackles that are in the Southeast, you know, in Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Louisiana, those kids are the difference makers. Those are the kids that are separating Clemson and Alabama and Georgia apart and Texas trying to make hay while they've got some of those guys with Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, and they're hoping Sadir Mitchell evolves into that. That's the position I'm watching the most in recruiting right now, Taylor, and our our guys Hank South and Jordan Scruggs and, and Hudson Standish are, um, you know, there was a big, obviously a big recruiting weekend over the weekend, uh, an elite camp, and I was watching for all the news about those defensive linemen because that's where Texas has got to hit home runs in the in the 24 and 25 classes if they want to if they want to continue or continue if they want to be a factor um in the Big 12 well they have what they have this year but in the SEC they got to hit on that on that position the defensive tackle position so um Sarkeesian wants giant humans to offset those incredibly athletic, talented defensive linemen in the SEC. Yeah. And that that's going to be something, you know, to watch. And if you didn't, if you did miss some of the recruiting coverage of the, over the weekend, definitely go back to Horns 24 um, seven. There was a, an exclusive one-on-one interview with a quarterback commit KJ Lacey, who uh, Hank South got right after he committed um, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there too, just to, I, you know, I, I'm not on the horns 24 seven site anymore and I can't come at, or, you know, if other fans from other team sites want to come after me, but, uh, Hank South was like one of the only ones that actually had that. And while other reporters for covering Texas were scrambling to even confirm the commitment news, he had a one, one interview. So, um, if, if you've been wondering what type of guys were, adding to the Horns 24-7 team and Hank South and, uh, you know, Jordan Scruggs. They are grinders, and I promise you, you guys are really going to enjoy the coverage that they and the content that they provide. In addition to Mike Roach still, you know, not being solely 
focus on the University of Texas recruiting, but in the state, he has connections all across the state of Texas he'll be dropping into. So I, I feel good about the recruiting coverage, like really, really good. And also with the team site, with the addition of uh, Eric Henry coming up, there's a lot of fun things going over on Horns 24-7. And if you're not a member, we are currently running a 60% off annual membership right now. Um, this will be coming to an end pretty soon. So if you're not a member, get on board with that. And um, as an annual member, you will be able to access all of the team sites across the 24-7 sports network as well. So you can you can chime in, see, uh, you know, when maybe Texas gets potentially a defensive lineman, you know, instead of Georgia and Alabama and watch their meltdowns on their boards. You never know, you know, (laughs) you get all you get it all. So, yeah. And I this is the time to get in. It really is because this is such a pivotal year. I think it's the most important year in 30 years of Texas football with the momentum that the program has right now with this season coming up, if they can translate all the momentum into wins on the field, especially with an opportunity like they have going on the road to Alabama, September 9th, then you're going to want to be in on all the inside scoop that we, that we bring you that the recruiting team, I agree with you, Taylor. I'm really excited about, the energy and the recruiting coverage already that we're getting with Hank South, Jordan Scruggs, Hudson Standish, and and Mike, um, you know, presiding over the state of Texas recruiting. So uh, get in and make sure you're an annual member because that's how you get the VIP access to all the uh, sites on the on the premier 24/7 sports network. And uh, there is a lot to be excited about. And um, Taylor, I'll, I'll just mention this real quick before we get to baseball. Um, Rodney Terry has officially announced his coaching staff. We It's like the worst kept secret um, in college basketball that he was hiring Frank Haith as his uh, associate head coach. Frank's been on the job for probably two months, but they finally <laughs> made it official. And um you know, Brandon Chappell's going to remain as an assistant coach. And Steve McLean, who uh, served as an assistant coach last season after Chris Beard was dismissed, is going to stay on as well. And Chris Ogden will move into the general manager role uh, that he had when he came to Texas uh, from being a head coach at UT Arlington. He'll manage the, you know, the NIL activity and the, um, you know, help oversee the recruiting efforts of everyone. And, and so Rodney Terry has, uh, has completed his coaching staff and Texas baseball, Taylor, we, we were talking last week. Did they run out of magic? Did the horns run out of magic sweeping West Virginia to win a share of that big 12 regular season title? Cause they went to the big 12 tournament and just went, <laughs> um, but by gosh, they go to sweltering Coral Gables where it was like 90 plus humidity and got great performances from the lefty uh, Lucas Gordon and from the regional MVP LeBaron Johnson Jr. The first complete game uh, effort of his career. He was fantastic. Eight strikeouts. I mean, 
it was a little nerve wracking the first two innings when he loaded the bases and worked his way out of the jam, uh, jams, uh, plural. <laughs> but then once he hit the third inning, he was, he got into his groove and man, Miami hitters were just waving and, and that was a talented Miami hitting lineup. So, uh, it, it was, it was needed. They only used five pitchers in three games. How about this? David Pierce, 12 and 0 in regional action since his first trip to the NCAAs when they lost um, out there in California to Long Beach. And so the last four trips to the regional, Texas, 12 and 0. And now they'll take on Stanford in Palo Alto, where the temperatures will be barely high 60s and like high 50s at night and they're playing at five o'clock starting on friday or saturday excuse me um which helps stanford because quinn matthews their their ace uh threw 114 pitches in their in their first regional game uh, against san jose state and then came out of the bullpen uh, on Monday night in the clincher against AM and threw 66 more pitches on like two and a half days rest. Uh, so, I mean, are they going to trot Quinn Matthews out there on Saturday? Probably the kid's a senior. He's he wants it. And, and Taylor, this has director's cup implications too. I don't know how many people are paying attention to that, but if Stanford beats Texas in this regional Stanford will clinch the director's cup, and end Texas's two-year reign as the winningest uh, college athletic department, uh, which has been kind of fun because Texas, like Stanford, they, they, won it for 25 years, and then Texas yeah. rose up and took it away. I'll say they they dethroned the king of the Directors Cup. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I I it's kind of funny because after watching how the regional played out, I was thinking about what we talked about last week on the flagship podcast prior to the regional about how, you know, I, I, I'm not saying any, nobody wants to lose games, right? Like nobody wants to go to a big 12 tournament and lose back to back games and be like knocked out immediately. However, I think conference tournaments are just adding to an already very, very long schedule and tiring out, a, a, you know, teams before what matters starts, you know, unless you're a fringe team that may not make it to a regional or something and you have to win, um, you know, the big 12 conference tournament or your conference tournament, that's one thing. But I didn't think it was a bad thing that Texas was, you know, and two and out of it. When you look at just how many games they actually play, play in a season that gave Texas a lot more rest leading into that regional, a regional that I don't think a lot of people, had much, um, you know, respect for Texas in, and clearly they, they answered and in baseball, it's all about when you get hot. Um, it's all about, you know, when things start to click, it's such a mental sport. It's such a mental game. And if you're, if you're mental, mentally prepared, you can erase everything that happened prior to, you know, postseason play. And, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of like Texas in this. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just well sipping on the Kool-Aid since I'm not <laughs> I'm a, a little starting to be a little removed from it. But I, I liked what I saw, you know, LeBaron Johnson pitching a complete game. That was incredible. I mean, that guy is such a, 
a dude, a freaking stud. Like my goodness, I that fastball slider combination. He had he had batters just totally guessing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eric Kennedy, you know that going over the wall to to make that grab and rob Louisiana of a three run home run that would have changed everything mm-hmm. um, because Texas was not hitting at that point of the game. And if Louisiana had taken a big old three or four run lead, I'm not sure. Um, but Texas finally got some pop uh, in the, in the sixth inning and pulled, you know, pulled out a four, two win over Louisiana. Then you get LeBaron Johnson's masterpiece. And then, um, you know, Tanner Witt gives up a three run home run. Texas is down three zip uh, to Miami. And, and then, of all people, the little freshman, not little, um, Jared Thomas and Jalen Flores with a grand slam home run. I mean, those are the future uh, cornerstones of this program. And for them to come up big in a huge spot like that was just huge for their confidence, for the confidence of the baseball team. And so now you've got momentum, you've got confidence in Lucas Gordon and LeBaron Johnson and, you got good Zane Morehouse out of the bullpen. I mean, his nickname is Nightmare, and sometimes it's a nightmare for Texas fans. Uh, <laughs> but it was a nightmare for Miami fans this time. And and so here, how about this? There will only be one team going to Omaha this year who was there last year, and it will be either Texas or Stanford. The other seven teams in Omaha uh, will – will not have been there the year before. It's it's very interesting. And TCU is one of those teams that got hot in the Big 12 tournament, and they went on the road and won their regional. And then Indiana State won their region, but Indiana State is hosting the Special Olympics on campus. They don't have enough hotel rooms. So the NCAA said, you're not, you don't meet the criteria to host a super regional. So Indiana State's now going to TCU. <laughs> That for the super wild. regional. So TCU, which is like, man, we're just happy to be in the NCAA postseason, is now hosting a super regional. And uh and Texas and TCU are the last uh big 12 teams remaining. Oklahoma State, the only team to host a regional, got lit up by Dallas Baptist and Oral Roberts, and they were out after two games. So Texas and TCU carrying the torch for um, the big 12. So this, and cool. I, oh, go ahead. no, I, I agree with you. I, I like Texas. I like the momentum. Um, Stanford doesn't, you know, they have some pop in their lineup for sure, but their pitching is nowhere near the starting pitching that, that Texas has now guys can get hot in the postseason. Don't get me wrong. Um, and they're not as good of a fielding team as Texas. So I think this, uh, this would be something. I mean, if, if this team, this Texas team makes it to Omaha after David Pierce replaced his entire coaching staff and had to replace six position players and brought in, you know, nine key transfers, that would be something that would be a real, uh, you'd have to give a round of applause to David Pierce for, for making it happen. Because I think a lot of people came into this season and he said, we want to be good early and great late. Mm -hmm. And man, that uh, that's starting to look like some prophetic words. Yeah, for sure. And let's not talk or let's not forget the 
I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking here on uh, NC AA baseball, but the catch that Dylan Campbell oh. had. Oh my gosh. Okay, so there's when my dad played um, on the 69 Mets, there was a catch that uh, Ron Swoboda had made in right field. That was, it was a, my dad says, he's one of the type of people that will say he doesn't like seeing players dive for balls because he thinks that you should be quicker on your feet and you don't have to dive. But he will say that one of the catches that he's had saw with the Mets was Ron Swoboda. And it was, he laid out in right field to catch a ball. Even Ron Swoboda's wife, I sat next to her at the 50 year reunion for the 1969 Mets. And that she said, she's like, yeah, he was either going to be the the king or the goat, not the goat in a, a good way, like a, a, the joke, basically. <laughs> if he didn't make that catch, he made that. When I saw Dylan Campbell's catch, I was like, dang, that's a Ron Swoboda part too. I mean, the NCAA baseball official Twitter account called it catch of the year. And I totally agree. I mean, he that was an unreal play that he made. And kudos to him. I mean, my goodness, what a season he has had this year. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's got that uh, school record and Big 12 record, 38-game uh, uh, hitting streak. He just keeps adding to it. And um, Dylan Campbell, what can you say? I mean, that guy's been a monster and a great leader. And I, I'll give it to David Pierce. He identifies these guys ahead of – you know, he said Ivan Melendez is going to be one of the best hitting uh, first baseman in the country. He was right. He said Dylan Campbell's going to be one of the best, uh, you know, hitting outfielders in college baseball. He was right. And and now we'll see if Dylan Campbell, Eric Kennedy, and Garrett Gilmet, what a great find as the catcher transferred in from USC. He's been a monster. He got plunked in the head. It was scary. He was down on the ground. He didn't move for like, you know, 15, 20 seconds. Got up. Looked like he was going to charge the mound. The umps made him go leave the game to get checked for a concussion. And boom, he was right back in there, you know, after that uh, checkup and was gunning guys out at uh, second base. You know, what a gutsy. They, this team's got some personality and. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it, how it uh, goes in at, at Stanford. But, uh, I think everyone will be tuning in five o'clock on Saturday, ESPN two, I believe Texas and Stanford two iconic programs in college baseball. Um, all right, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned. We have more football talk coming up we'll be right back when you have sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. 
A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Chip, you ready for my first love it or leave it for I'm you? I'm ready. All right. Love it or leave it. Questions at quarterback for Alabama, as well as Nick Saban having to replace both coordinators. Have you thinking Texas is ready to pull the upset in Tuscaloosa on September 9th? Yeah, I'm 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 going all in on this. You're guzzling. Um, you're guzzling the bur- yeah. bridge. Right I now. don't know if Texas is going <laughs> to handle the games that they're supposed to handle, but I think they're going to handle this one. I do think after spending time with Nick Saban down at SEC meetings, it just feels like things are heavy on him right now. Now, look, he's got all summer and fall camp to get it figured out. And maybe Tommy Reese, his new offensive coordinator, is the magic man like Steve Sarkeesian was for for Nick Saban. Maybe Kevin Steele, his new defensive coordinator, is, is the guy to put it all together. Um, but I just think if with Alabama with that much turnover and transition and uncertainty, if you're going to play Alabama, be glad you're playing them early in the season. If even if you're playing them at home at night, where they've won 24 straight at home and 18 straight at home at night, you know it's interesting. I was talking to Hank South, our new um, you know recruiting uh, guru at Horns 24/7, and he has covered Alabama for the recruiting for the last eight years, we're lucky to get him. And he said this year reminds him of 2015 when that was the last time Alabama had uncertainty at quarterback. That was the, the Jake Coker, Blake Sims quarterback battle. And Ole Miss came in with no fanfare at night and beat Alabama. In fact, that was the last time Alabama lost a game at home at night was in 2015 to Ole Miss when Hugh Freeze was the coach. And he said it's been, you know, not since then has Nick Saban had this much sort of uncertainty at the quarterback position. So that was a long winded answer to say, I'm going to love this. Taylor, how about you? I mean, at this point right now, as of when this airs June 7th, yeah, I'm going to love it. Uh, you know, I think those questions are currently, <laughs> as it stands, of June 7th, 2023, they're not there for Texas. They're not. And Texas, and I've, I'm a little surprised I'm saying that, you know, I'm not a little. I'm actually kind of flabbergasted that I'm actually saying that because that hasn't been the case. Assuming Texas state is healthy, gets through fall camp healthy, especially at the key positions, then I think this Texas team is going to make a serious run. I really do. Um, And I, and I'm not just saying that because I'm not going to be, you know, day to day on the Texas beat or anything like that. I've been saying this, we've been hinting at this, you know, all off season. And I really, this is the first time I actually do feel that way. You know, I know uh, everyone talks about Texas, are they back every off season? It seems like we've avoided that conversation. We've avoided that topic forever, honestly, until this year. And that's intentional, not because we're trying to sell false hope. It's because I think we both believe it. And so this is, this is a team as of, as it stands, barring any crazy injuries to key positions, 
Texas, I think, is is poised to make a run. And uh, I think it starts in Tuscaloosa on September 9th. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of 05 when Texas had to go to Ohio State at night in the shoe. And that was a loaded Ohio State team. But they had a quarterback question, too. They they had uh, they had uh, uh, Justin Zwick and uh, Troy. Oh, man. Um, he ended up Troy Smith. He won the Heisman Trophy. But in that game, uh, Tressel started Justin Zwick, and then he went to Troy Smith, and then he took Troy Smith out and put Justin Zwick back in the game, and I think Texas fans were like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and by the time he put Troy Smith back in it, Vince Young was doing his thing, and Texas got out of there with a 22-20 win. So, um, all right, enough. Kool-Aid for one episode of the Flagship Podcast. How about Love It or Leave It number two? Second one for you, love it or leave it. Michael Huff is a slam dunk to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. If you missed the news, he is on the ballot. Former Texas defensive back. That was also a Thorpe Award winner. He's been actually on the Texas football staff for the last three coaches, right? Didn't he yeah. join when Charlie was? Charlie. I think, yeah. Um, but yeah, so if you missed that news, that's why this here. Your thoughts, Chip. Okay. So Huffy was a lot more fun when he wasn't on the coaching staff, by the way. <laughs> um, but he also wears those medium shirts. And here's a true story about Michael Huff when he got to when he got to Texas. Okay, from Irving, um, as a freshman, he told me he could only bench 185 five times. Like I can bench 185 five times. Now look at him. He's got guns. He's, He's wearing hard to miss. Oh, the guy, <laughs> guy lives in the weight room. He's probably benching 300 pounds a couple times. Um, I love Huffy. And you know what? He's probably going to get in. So I'm going to love this because, look, he won the Thorpe Award in the national championship season. He was on one of the most talented secondaries I've ever seen with Aaron Ross and Michael Griffin and Cedric Griffin and Terrell Brown all of whom played in the NFL uh, successfully. But Huff won the Thorpe Award, and he was in on the tackle on Lendell White on fourth and two because Reggie Bush wasn't on the field. Of course, Steve Sarkeesian hates being reminded of that. <laughs> um, and Huff reminds him of it all the time. So I'm going to love this because Huff Huff was a uh, – just a playmaker. He just made plays when you had to have them. And I think he is a slam dunk to get into the college football hall of fame. I still am lobbying for my man, Casey Hampton. He, he absolutely deserves to be in. He's not in. And I think it's a crime because those big fellas down in the trenches get overlooked, but Huff Huff is deserving. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to love it too. And I remember when Steve Sarkeesian was hired um, Texas put out, I think it was Texas, it was either Texas or Longhorn Network put out a video of him being introduced to um, Colt McCoy, Vince Young, and Michael Huff. And when Michael Huff and Sark like shook hands, Sark was like, Oh, you broke my heart in the <laughs> video. And I will, I remember that because I was laughing because like it was that play that you're talking about. You know, I still think Michael Griffin has hands down the best interception I think I've ever seen in my life in that game. Um, but Michael Huff 
you know, I, I don't know if many people credit him as much as he deserves credit for that stop on fourth and two. And just the fact as all the guys you mentioned that were defensive backs on that team, he's the one that won the award for the best defensive back in college football. If you're going to give those awards to guys, why the hell would you not induct them into the college football hall of fame? Those are awards that people live their, you know, dream about winning and only a handful of them actually do. He's one of them. So a hundred percent, it should be a slam dunk for him to be inducted into the college football hall of fame. And Michael Griffin deserves to be in the college football hall of I fame agree. too, because remember he, he set the record for blocked kicks at Texas. He was a special teams whiz. In addition to that, an unbelievable toe tap interception that he had against Matt Leinert and in, in a huge play, a game changing play in that national championship game. He should get in for that alone, but also because, um, he was an unbelievable special teams guy and represented everything that you would want in a college football hall of famer. And then he goes on to a, you know, three-time pro bowl, uh, career in the NFL. So, all right. Now he, now he's a, a guest of the flagship podcast. That's right. He's a <laughs> regular. Anytime we can get him. I'm like, Chip, get him, get him, get him. <laughs> regular on the flagship podcast. We love Griff. He's a good dad. He's coaching his daughter. Who's like the quarterback and linebacker <laughs> on the boys peewee team. So yeah. Running back, running back, running back. Yeah. I, I just she, know she was going to be quarterback, but she had a crush on the quarterback. He told that oh, story. Oh, right. How could I forget that part? Yeah, go back and listen. You know, if you're subscribed to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel, scroll back a few episodes until you get to Michael Griffin. It's it's worth the watch, the listen. Um, okay, love it or leave it, number three. Final one for you here, Chip. Love it or leave it. Texas gets another amazing weekend from pitchers Lucas Gordon and LeBaron Johnson, and the bats remain hot as the Longhorns reach Omaha for a third straight year. Man, I just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bail on these guys now because after watching that performance in Miami, I didn't I didn't think last weekend was going to go real well for Texas, honestly, uh, because you have to win three games. And I didn't know if Texas had the pitching depth. Little did I know the freshmen, Jared Thomas and Jalen Flores would turn into run producing machines. Um, it just seems like this team, I mean, Texas goes to Omaha. It's what they do. They have 38 appearances. It's the most of any school. And, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to bail on them now. So I'm going to, I'm going to love this Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to, as much as I don't like going three for three and agreeing with you on all of these. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to love this. I feel the same way. I mean, you know, the, the base again, I, I don't need to repeat what I said earlier. The mental aspect of the game takes over a lot of times and Texas seems to be clicking on all cylinders from a mental standpoint is coming through in their play. And I really do think, um, you know, it's such a, it's a game where when you get hot is all that matters. And it seems like Texas is continuing to heat up that branding iron. So yeah, I'm going to agree and say that they're going to make it to Omaha for a third straight year. And I'll tell you what, LeBaron Johnson, if he keeps this up in this postseason, he's going to come in as a favorite next. I mean, 
he's draft eligible. I don't want to mention that to anyone, but he's only had one real season mm-hmm. as a pitcher. It's been this season, but it's been phenomenal. And he has electric stuff, that fastball slider combination. And he's developed a split finger. He's not been using that as much lately, but he's, uh, he might end up being, Really high draft pick. Okay, we won't talk about that now. Let's just focus. He's, he's on... a, what a redshirt sophomore, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, if he was like a true junior, he should probably be focusing on making that decision. But if you're still a junior, you know you you can still have the opportunity to make a lot of money in the MLB draft. They don't start really docking guys until they're seniors when it comes to their pay standpoint. So hopefully he's he's back for Texas next year and he'll still probably make a lot of money if he keeps this up (laughs) yeah yeah he's fun to watch man six foot four he's got tilt on that it looks looks like he's throwing the ball straight down with how he gets that that tilt on that fastball so and he's so long and lanky like it just I, I always love watching pitchers that look like him because of how their motion is it's just one of those where it's almost mesmerizing where you're like and then just diminishing guys at the plate left and right. Yeah, he reminds me of Dwight Gooden, who was a Met after your dad won the World Series um, in 69. Dwight Gooden, long, um, you know, just had that same tilt on that fastball and and the slider. But, all right, good stuff. Taylor, thanks for, uh, thanks for jumping in here on the flagship podcast. Um, before you head off to your your new uh, tier leader, running multiple sites for the 24-7 Sports Network. Don't be a yeah, stranger. Not at all. No, I mean, I, I've started, you know, the training and stuff this week. Um, but I'll still be around, you know, as we mentioned, as our uh, boss at Horns 24-7, Kevin Ryan mentioned, you know, I'm not having to move to Nashville or anything like that to be at the 24-7 sports headquarters. So I'll still be in Austin. I'll still be helping out the Texas site as much as I can. So can't get yeah. rid of me that easily. Come on, Chip. Much appreciated. <laughs> and much appreciated, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Flagship Podcast. We'll we'll work uh, my man Eric Henry in here uh, as soon as he's kind of settled in um, to Austin. And uh, y'all are going to love Eric Henry, uh, passionate college football guy, played college football um, and is a, a just loves, loves college football, is so excited about covering Texas. And so um, we'll and get over to the site. Make sure you're taking advantage of that 60 percent off promotion uh, annual membership. Our recruiting team is on fire right now. So, um, you know. We'll see you over there at horns247.com. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.